0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta.
0: How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts. Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I give you the keys to success. Welcome in. We are live here on this hump day Wednesday. Hope everybody is having a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zino M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up to the content there. Of course, all of the shows on Locked On Sports Atlanta, including A to Z, are free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. And of course, we're on Roku TV. However you get that Roku TV app, Amazon Fire Stick, download it, check out all the shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. A lot to do today. College football playoff rankings come out. We're going to dissect them and also the idea of expansion. Uh, We'll get to that as well. Uh, We have some Atlanta Braves to discuss today because we're at a very interesting juncture. And um, some results from last night's election in a way that you're probably not thinking about. We'll get to that coming up here on A to Z. We want to start with the Atlanta Falcons, one day away from their next game against the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, uh, as I start to look at this game a little bit deeper and a little bit more and more, and, and, and I hear all the fodder that is going on this week, you know, you start to really look at the Falcons and where they are and, and how much they have tried to, uh, you know, get above 500 and everything else and, and, and all that. Well, you know, this game in particular sets up well for them. And, you know, Arthur Smith has sort of had a weird, um, I don't think he does this. Maybe he does do it intentionally. I don't think he does it intentionally, but it seems to be whatever the media is focusing on this week, whatever we are sort of pressing him about, uh, in the very next game, he sort of addresses and responds to a little bit. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, he crafts his game plan around it or, He's trying to, you know, one-up the media and prove himself. I'm not saying any of that at all. It just seems to manifest itself that way. You know, I can recall earlier in the year, uh, we had spent a lot of time, you know, lamenting, obviously we're still doing it now, but lamenting Marcus Mariota's poor performances and passing games and everything else. And then they played the 49ers and all Mariota did was go out in that game and go 13 or 14 for 129 yards, two touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 144. And the Falcons won a big game against a team that, you know, many people thought was better than they were. Right. Like he seems to sort of answer the bell with some of those things. Uh, and I expect that to happen this week, but I expect it to happen in a little bit of a different way. This Panthers team is very much ripe for the picking defensively. Um, and it is one of those things where, uh, they're a bottom-five run defense. Uh, they're a bottom-five defense overall. And if the Atlanta Falcons want to be successful and they want to be able to win this game on the road on a short week, which is never an easy formula, they've got to have long, clock-sustaining drives. Like I've talked repeatedly about who the Falcons are. Guess what who the Falcons are, guys? They're a great running team, and that's what they need to stick to this week. You know, go back to the last time they played. Right. The Falcons' first three drives let, combined lasted a total of 13 plays interception, punt, punt. Their lone touchdown drive of the first half, 10 plays, 69 yards. Other than that, you had three punts and a pick. You now, remember, the other touchdown they got was a defensive one, which you can't count on happening again, but, you know, um, 10 plays, 69 yards. The next, in the second half, three plays and out. Next, next drive was eight plays, 62 yards, touchdown. Next drive, eight plays, 68 yards, field goal. Like, you know, that's the drive. That's the, the, the way this team wins. And it's sort of, well, I don't want to get too crazy with comparisons, but it's very similar to the way Georgia can go dominate a football game. Long, clock-sustaining drives. Keep the other team's offense on the sideline. Keep your defense fresh and put up points. But you're not going to do that passing more than you're running. As I've said repeatedly, passing a lot for, with Marcus Mariota is a failing formula. Now, the other thing that I think that you'll see is some more early targets for Kyle Pitts. Now, they've got to convert them, because we're, we're at this weird spot here again, and and my good buddy D. Led, uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter, the AJC, his column in the AJC this morning, titled Falcons, Mariota to Pitts Connection, not firing on all cylinders. Again, we're trying to create this rift between the two or or at least you know put out there that these two guys can't get on the same page. I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I mean, that that I think that's created by us for some reason. You saw one play where it looked like Pitts didn't try. Um, you have no idea whether he ran 100% the right route. You have no idea whether the ball was supposed to be in one spot and it went to another. We have no idea of any of that because we don't know the plays in the playbook. Now, I'm sure smart people can break that down for us and tell us whether that's actually the reality, but in the meantime, creating that, that sort of storyline and that narrative I don't think holds a lot of water. At least it does not with me, and I don't think it should with you either. But here we are because, well, you know, You're four and five, and you've got to find something to talk about, I suppose, instead of looking at the picture that they're four and five tied for first place and going, okay, you've got a favorable schedule coming up. Go out and win as many games as you can. And by the way, speaking of the favorable schedule, I'm not sure how favorable all of a sudden it's become. Uh, And make of this what you will. Have you watched the Bears over the last three weeks and what their offense has done? Not as cupcake as it seems. Have you watched the Commanders over the last four weeks and see what their defense has become? Not as cupcake as you think. Still got to go on the road to the Saints. Never an easy game. On the road to the Ravens. Never an easy game. I mean, you know, it's uh, It's very much something that um, is a, a – you can't talk – that's why I don't predict wins at the beginning of the year. I don't predict wins in the beginning of the year because it's ridiculous to do so. Because look what's changed. We all thought the first seven games were going to be the toughest. I'm not saying the last seven games are going to be the toughest, but dear Lord. 49ers were in shambles when the Falcons got them. Filled with injuries, right? The Seahawks turned out to be one of the best teams, or have been one of the best teams in the league this year. We thought for the season started, oh, okay. That was going to be an easy win. Well, it wasn't. We thought the Rams is going to be tough. They're in shambles. I mean, you know, it's just really, really hard to figure out what anybody's going to be. So no reason to predict wins. But back to the game tomorrow night. I think the formula is really simple. I think it's a matter of the Falcons executing. They can't be sloppy. They can't make mistakes. They can't turn the ball over. I think objectively they're a better team than Carolina. But these are two bad defenses going up against one another, and really it boils down to which offense can execute better without making mistakes, and that'll ultimately decide the game. That's really what it boils down to. So I am am confident that Arthur Smith on Thursday night will sort of do a couple of these plays where it looks like he's saying, oh, yeah, you said this, watch this. I don't think he does that, but it just works out that way. I think he runs his offense the way he wants to run his offense and all the things we're complaining about, which he has said repeatedly, are part of what they're doing, they're getting better at it. They're making progress. It just doesn't all come very quickly. Well, I think in general, when, when we see these things pop up, Oh, maybe he is listening. No, he's just, the, the offense is executing better. And I think that's a big part of it and and why uh, it seems to go that way. But we'll find out tomorrow night. All right, uh, we're going to get to the college football playoff here in just a minute, and one team continues to be undervalued. I'll tell you who that is just coming up. But first, the word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, Falcons, tomorrow night. Uh, You get them minus three points. Again, interesting. They were laying four and a half at home, and now they're laying three on the road. Are they that much better than the Panthers? Maybe. Oddsmakers are saying so, but if you want more news and reviews on that game, they have news and reviews on every league, not only NFL, but college football, major league baseball when it's in season, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, it's all right there. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting scores podcast. Guys, I love the pods. They have so much information for you. They've got you covered on it all. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. BetOnline where?
1: Free dessert for life at homechefcom slash locked on. That's homeshef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homechefcom slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Okay.
0: Um college football playoff rankings. Yeah. Uh I don't think I was much surprised. We talked about this yesterday. I wasn't really surprised at what the committee did. Um Georgia clearly obviously is number one. They didn't flip-flop Ohio State and Michigan, which I didn't suspect that they would, even though I think there's an argument for that. TCU is the lone other undefeated team moved into fourth, which again, I think there's an argument for, although I don't think they're better than a couple of other teams. And the one team that continues to get disrespected is Oregon. You guys know I'm on the Oregon bandwagon. That's fine. Say what you want. You can hate on it. Um, Whatever. It, it it really it does it's going to play itself out on the football field. I'll be wrong on Oregon if they don't run the table uh, and win the Pac-12. But if they do, they are in. And we could talk about a variety of different scenarios. My by the way, I skipped over Tennessee being fifth. They probably should have fallen. To me, they should have fallen the sixth. Again, I would have went Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, TCU, Tennessee would have been my top six. LSU with another big win. Uh, over Alabama, puts them at seven. I think their resume says that they're seven. I still think they're overrated. And I think they're going to struggle this week with Arkansas. But that's just me. Um, And USC comes in at eight, Alabama, and then Clemson. I told you guys Clemson shouldn't have been fourth. And if they weren't fourth last week, they'd be out of the top ten. Now, it's interesting. There are two teams that didn't move uh, because they didn't play last week. That's Ole Miss and UCLA. It's going to be very interesting to see if Ole Miss beats – Alabama, how far can they jump? Um, Now, UCLA won't jump that much. They're playing a bad Arizona team this week. If they beat USC the following week, then that is uh, possibly a spot for uh, them to make a big jump. But uh, nonetheless, they've already lost to Oregon, so they won't get to the Pac 12 title game unless Oregon slips up. But I say this about Ole Miss because theoretically, I could see Ole Miss jumping into the top six if. You get a couple of things to happen. Uh, LSU loses this week. Um, you know TCU possibly loses this week to Texas. You know they're if TCU loses, they know that they are out of the college football playoff. Right? Tennessee obviously can't afford another loss. Oregon can't afford a loss. LSU definitively can't afford another loss, uh, even if they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. And oh, by the way, we keep thinking about LSU. Don't forget that Ole Miss is in the driver's seat to get to the SEC title game, not LSU. Well, they simply have a better record. I understand LSU is the tiebreaker, but but LSU is Alabama fans this week. They need Ole Miss to lose. Ole Miss wins. They're going to the the, the SEC title game against Georgia. So there's that. Now, uh, we talk about all of this, and, and I, I want to make one more point before we get to this you know, a college football playoff expansion conversation that continues to pop up, and, you know, it's it's happening. It's just a question of when and and if it happened, or when and how big it happens. But um, look at what's going to work itself out. Again, TCU has a road game this week against Texas. Uh, they have a road game against Baylor. My guess is they're probably losing one of those next two games. So that will knock them out. Ohio State and Michigan, they will knock each other out. So Georgia's going to get in, right, clearly. Winner of Ohio State-Michigan gets in, that's two. And then, as I said, Oregon runs the table, and I think they will. My guess is that's three. Who is four? Well, that's really where the committee has to do some work. Do you want to make it Tennessee? I don't. I genuinely don't. I don't need a Georgia-Tennessee rematch, and you'd have a hard time. And, of course, what they will do, because the committee always does this, they'll move Tennessee to number three, so we don't have to have a Georgia-Tennessee rematch in the semifinals, which I don't understand why we don't do that. It's really no big deal. People are still going to watch both semifinals, and they're going to watch a national title game. I don't understand what they're doing. But regardless, um, you know, Oregon at number three would be interesting to me just because versus Ohio State and or Michigan – Um, I think they got a shot, but anyway, and, and, and that's really it. I mean, LSU has to beat Georgia to get in. Would we get the first two loss team in? No, I don't think we will. If Tennessee remains undefeated again, uh, and even TCU, let's say they lose in the big 12 title game and that's their only loss to an Oklahoma state or somebody like that who you know, I think it's dropped all the way out of the rankings they have. Um, you know, there may be an argument for them to get in as a one-loss non-conference champ. Tennessee would have an edge. Uh, and again, there's still still something left. USC can run the table, and I think they would get in because the SC on the side of the helmet would make a big deal. But here's the point, and, and this is where I wanted to go with all this, was simply that, you know, I'm not someone who, who thinks that expanding the college football playoff – Oh, it devalues the regular season. No, we, we just, it does, but it, it takes you away from, you know, the idea that every game in the regular season matters as much. Like, I, I just, I, th- I think it's played differently. I think immediately once you expand, you know what you'll start to see? Those non conference games that we see that was the strength of schedule thing, I, I think they could genuinely just go away. Like, you, you don't have to play it if if there is 8 teams getting in the playoffs and and you're undefeated you're in you're in because that that zero in the loss column means more to the committee than everything for me it doesn't to them it does why would i need to schedule if i have a, if you only have 4 teams getting in there are other factors that are going to be weighted more if you have 8 teams getting in i'll take the zero in the l column no matter what they're not going to leave you out They're not going to leave you out. As soon as they do that, I would immediately stop playing tough non-conference schedules. There's no reason for for teams to because that's what's going to matter more than anything because guess what? Eventually, as we see every single year, how this stuff works out is generally that the situations take care of itself. While there are six undefeated teams or seven undefeated teams two weeks ago, guess what has happened? Okay, now, now they're down to four. And guess what? They're going to be down to two. Max, when it's all said and done, three max, if TCU can hang on. So, I mean, why why sacrifice the zero in the L column when you don't need to? Because eight teams are expanding. You're going to get in. If you have a zero in the loss column, you're going to get in. Doesn't matter what your strength of schedule is. So, one more reason I'm not in favor of expansion, but, you know, again, I'm on the wrong side of it, and 12 teams are actually absolutely ridiculous. A 12 team committee, dear lord, I I would be scheduling Kent State and everybody else, uh, you know, right off the right off the 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 bat. I mean, it, it genuinely does. Um, I to me, 12 teams just you know it's a waste. It's an absolute waste of time. All right, uh, we have to get to uh, shovels of wisdom here. Uh, But first, a word from our friends over at Locked on Falcons. My buddy Aaron Freeman's got you locked on for everything Atlanta Falcons as they get set to take on the Carolina Panthers. We appreciate you making Locked on Falcons one of your first listens of the day. Make your next listen the Locked on Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Boy. This shovel of wisdom is deserved because it makes things really crappy for one group of people. Here we go. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. That time of day, folks. Time to set somebody straight for saying or doing something stupid. Whack them right upside the head with a shovel. You could do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. Use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today, my shovel goes to UPS. I'm work on this shovel. not really working for me. I'm to get... There we go. Now I feel a little bit better. Uh, not necessarily UPS, the entire company. Just one specific driver who has been unnamed. Because, well, a UPS driver was driving. Uh, and while in transit, um, it, it began... Uh, the driver began to notice that things were flying out of the back of the truck. Well, what happened to be flying out was uh, the SAT tests for one El Paso high school. And now the students from that El Paso high school will need to retake their SATs. Oh my God. The college board released a statement. Saying that occasionally test materials are lost in transit, and when it happens, we work with the school to ensure students are able to retest as soon as possible. Oh dear Lord! You telling me you're going to wake these kids up on a Saturday weekend morning to go in again and take a test that they already took? Oh God, that is just miserable! Like, dear Lord. Of course, the driver, you know, unnamed and. UPS also released a statement saying the driver's actions in this case are not representative of UPS protocols and methods and we're addressing it with him. Yeah, close the door. Like wrap the box up or something, dude. Those poor kids. The SAT sucked the first time. Did anybody take them twice? I think I I don't even remember. I think I did take them twice because I didn't score high enough on the first one. And uh yeah, I think I did. I don't know why I did. I do remember the first time I took them, I went out the night before. I don't know why. I forget where, me and my friends, I think we went out to like a, back in the days when clubs were the rage for teenagers, you know, 18 to party, 21 to drink kind of deal. I think I was 18 at the time anyway, but we snuck in. That was probably a bad idea in retrospect. I don't recommend that to anybody. You should probably stay home the night before your SATs and study or something, but, you know. again, it's why I work in radio and not in uh, nuclear physics or anything else for that matter. Okay. Um couple of final thoughts here on um, the Atlanta Braves and uh, Major League Baseball. You know, quietly, uh, we are closing down on that five-day window uh, for teams to negotiate with their own players. Um, because the World Series ended over the weekend, and, well, the clock's ticking here. Um, you know, it's Wednesday. So, um, the Braves have a bunch of free agents that they are looking at and ones are going to bring back, you know, it is, it is interesting to see how this off season is handled. Um, you know, Dansby Swanson obviously is, is the free agent that everyone's looking at. And my guess is he he'll test free agency. I'd be rather surprised if he doesn't test free agents, right? To me, that would be rather surprising because uh, let's just, you know, before he accepts an offer from the Braves, why doesn't he see what he's worth to other teams? And and genuinely, every team should be okay with that. Like, hey, you know, uh, if you want to go test the market and see what's out there, fine. Just give us, you know, a, a right of first refusal, so to speak, or a chance to match it. And I think Alex and the Braves have, have kind of been afforded that opportunity, right? And Dansby has said out loud that he is his negotiations are much different than that of Freddie Freeman. And I agree. I think they are. Uh, It's completely different. One, he plays a completely different position. Two, he's in a, you know, the price range is completely different, about $10 million different uh, a year, to say the least. And so I think things can go differently. And plus, the Braves, theoretically, are in a different spot. You know, they have salary control over a lot of different things over the course of the next five to seven years, which is what they didn't have um, with Freddie Freeman. They had a lot of question marks. And maybe they've answered some of them. But still, again, you know, with all these contracts that the Braves have given out, I, I will ask and continually ask the same question. How many of the contracts that they have signed, whether it's the Michael Harris, the Spencer Strider, the uh, Austin Riley, um, I forget all the names, they can't even remember all the names of the guys that they got. How many of them are going to be seen to through fruition, like to the end of the contract? My guess is if they exceed 50% of, of them all, that's a huge win, because I don't even think they get that high. I think at some point in time you'll find for one reason or other production need, whatever it may be, either they trade the guy or they cut him because that's kind of what you provided the flexibility to do that cutting a guy with it with a contract that is smaller and more team friendly um, will you know one hundred percent be on the table so that aside, getting Dansby done, as important as it is, I think that the Braves are fairly – what's the right word? I don't want to say confident. Confidence is not the right word. I think that they are comfortable with the idea that if Dansby walks, uh, Von Grissom is a suitable replacement. And let's not get it twisted, folks. Von Grissom cannot replace Dansby Swanson, period. Ansby is a top five shortstop in the league, offensively and defensively. What he's meant to the team, the franchise, and the organization is nearly – it's very, very difficult to replace. I'm not going to say nearly impossible. It's very, very difficult to replace. And while Vaughn Grissom is fun and the sample size is small, uh, there's no real knowing of what he is going to be or what he's not going to be. You just – you not you can't extrapolate 50 games and go – this is exactly what it is. It's, it, it, there's, you just can't do that in baseball. It's, it's, not, it's not something you can do, period. I mean, you can try, but you're wasting your time because literally there is no guarantee of any of that. And Von Grissom started out hot, and then you forget, oh, he kind of tailed off there the last 20 games, and he wasn't hitting home runs, and he wasn't, you know, uh, the apple of everybody's eye offensively. So, yeah, I mean, you have some questions. I think they are okay with seeing what it is, but don't expect Martin Grissom to replace Dansby Swanson. That's, that's, not, that's not a realistic expectation. Dansby's too good. But how will the Braves remake the bullpen? Um, and what will they do with reserve outfielders and everything else? And, and who's going to fill in what spot? And does Robbie Grossman fit? And, and all these other things. And I think you have to figure out what your bullpen situation and closer situation is going to look like. Because Kenley Jansen is there and do you want to go find a third closer in three years? That's a real tough one. To me, that would be the bigger thing to focus on other than Dansby. Unless you're going to say, Iglesias is Iglesias is now your closer. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it's not. Maybe that was part of the genius of Alex Anthopoulos' move to get him was that, okay, we're going to let Kensley Jansen walk, and Iglesias is now our closure. Maybe. If not, you got to figure out who that's going to be. So a lot of this stuff going to come to fruition, um, you know, and we'll start talking more about it uh, towards the end of the week, obviously, after the Falcons game and everything else. But, you know, by next week, we're going to be hot and heavy. By the time we get back on the air on Monday, there's going to be a lot of signings going on and a lot of different news going on. All right, that'll do it for us here on this Wednesday. Uh, Again, give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Thanks for making Locked On Falcons your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. A to Z and the rest of Locked On Sports Atlanta free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Also on Roku TV, download that Roku TV app on your Amazon fire stick or wherever you get it. And check out all the great shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta back tomorrow for a Thursday edition, get you ready for Falcons football. Have a great day. Don't take the crap from anybody. See ya.